first time for everything. Uh, hi everyone, especially to those who will be watching this, uh, to watching the recording. Um, oh good, some people are joining. So almost all of us who will be doing this panel, this will be our first time. <laughs> um, well, first, second time for me joining Instagram Live, but um, that's amazing. Hi everyone. Um, but yeah, it's uh, all of us are relative uh, Instagram novices, so this this will be fun. This will be enjoyable on many levels. Um, okay, good. So let's see. Um, if you guys can join, I think it's request to join for the panelists. Good stuff. If you guys can hold with us for three seconds. Namaskar, Vaisu. Namaskar, Maga. Okay. This is not clubhouse. <laughs> I know. Not easy, is it? Good. Well, people are slowly joining. Um, of course, I'm having like computer issues at the same time. Um, yeah, we can set some of the, the kind of, I guess, easy directives and um, actually even introduce people. Vaisu, do you mind even just giving like a quick introduction? Oh, like about today's topic or, or like just about myself? Yeah. Okay. So I think uh, a bit about myself. I think uh, I think many of your audience might not know who I am. So I'll just take a few seconds to just tell who I am. So I think since today's topic is about mental health and all. Uh, I'm someone from a young age who suffered from depression. I was diagnosed with, you know, anxiety, OCD. And I was given psychiatric pills. And unfortunately, they did not work for me. So I had to taper them off with the help of using therapy and other methods. But still, I always used to have uh, recurrences of depression and anxiety, you know, whenever things would go bad. So I was always in the search of something that would really work for me. And uh, that's how I found the yogic practices to be very, very effective. And when you find something very effective, you stick, I tend to hold on to that. But even though I tend to hold on to, hold on to that, I still would see that sometimes these things would come back. So the question would always arise, are the yogic practices working or do I need to find something else? Mm -hmm. So this has been something that has been, you know, uh, always been there with me, but I still somehow tend to stick on to the practices because there is something deep within me which tells that this is what I need to hold on to. But at the same time, I also know that I need other things to support me when these kind of things happen. So I think we are basically here to discuss about that and uh, to share each of our experiences and the resources maybe I use and the well, the awesome panel that you have chosen would like to discuss because I'm here to listen to them also because, you know, as a person, I have very few tools with me that I use during such instances. And I have a community who I interact very often on the direct messages, on the comments and on a personal level, I interact with them rather than just putting out media. And I tend to notice that a lot of us go through the same things, even though we are very regular with the practices, a lot of things, you know. Uh, whether it's mental health or just stress still tend to keep on happening. So what are the things that we can use during these times to, you know, to just push through that phase? So I think uh, that is why I'm here to just listen to all the awesome panel and, and maybe add a few little bit things that I use personally. Uh, I think this might pause while I try to bring Stephanie in at the same time. Again, uh, technical difficulties, so give me one second. We're adding... Um... Oh, man, fantastic. Do, do you need me to go out so that someone... Okay. Oh, no, we got it. 
Hi, Wiam. How are you? Hello. Hello, everyone. Good. Thank you for joining me. So while I bring up or attempt to bring up uh, the others who are even less Instagram savvy than I am, do you mind uh, giving a quick introduction and yeah, introducing yourself to the group? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, thank you for having me. So my name is Wiam. I'm currently situated in Canada, but also an Isha meditator. Um, I it went in line with my own spiritual seeking and my own, um, you know, path. Um, and so since then, I've been starting, actually, a lot of my clients uh, do meditate. Um, not all of them are from Isha. Some of them are and uh, are using to complement sadhana. Is, um, are you... Oh, no, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> we lost the Yamaka. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> sorry Stephanie keeps texting me um oh we am i think is she frozen for you too by sue yeah i think i lost we lost her totally we lost her we lost her. yeah, yeah. We lost a good soldier right. come back <laughs> okay meantime um We'll see if Steph can join and Zare as well. I think she might be here. I'm asking, will you be recording this so that they can watch it later? Absolutely recording. Yes, absolutely. And it'll be posted, I think, on my account and your account. And did you say YouTube or podcast? Yes, I'll do that too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah you can give them instructions. Okay, I just have to use my um, this phone and not the other <laughs> it's okay, Stephanie. Thanks for joining. Zara, it's okay. We'll add you in a minute. No worries. So, Stephanie, while we're getting settled, if you don't mind giving people a quick introduction. Sure. Um, so, my name is Stephanie Alexander. I am a fourth-year psychiatry resident at uh, Vanderbilt uh university medical center in nashville um so i've been training to be a psychiatrist for four years um and almost done uh i've also been an Asian meditator since 2016 and have done most of the programs at this point um so i have that kind of dual experience um and i've also similarly been someone who struggled with some uh mental health struggles in my life um so i'm happy to talk from all three of those hats yeah, same. Thank you for being here. That's exciting. Congratulations on almost completing the psychiatry. Can't be easy, I can't imagine. <laughs> yes, um, at least this year is a lot easier. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Sorry, I cut off earlier, guys. But what I was what I was continuing to say was that I found that um, meditators actually um, really do need support and they do need that complimentary sometimes because personally for what I realized and what I experienced was um, even in my therapy training and doing sadhana a lot started coming up for me because there's a there's like a new dimension a new like vulnerability that's open and so you have this safe space with your therapist or with your, you know, with your, with your community and with your meditators. And then you got to go out into the world that is not so compassionate, right? 
Um, and I think most of us could agree to say some, even the people running this world, some politicians are almost traumatized children that never heal. So they end up creating this collective consciousness that you end up getting affected with. Um, so I actually found sometimes I had to stop my sadhana because it was too much or too many things were happening and I had to focus on one one thing at a time. So yeah, and I found that approach to be beautifully synced with traditional psychotherapy, but also very, very spiritual as well. So that's what I kind of wanted to continue to add on. So yeah. Thank you, my dear. Okay, well, some of the difficulties are a little bit sorted out. Um, I'll see if I can add Jay in a minute. Uh, Jay Naido. But, um, but yeah, I wanted to give a brief, that document's not coming up, but uh, I wanted to give a brief overview for the people who are joining, and then we'll dive right in. Um, that mainly, uh, yes, we created this panel in response to a number of tragic deaths that had happened in the community, and we were having these conversations offline, but as we started to hear from people um, who were sharing their own personal struggles and saying that they too were suffering. Um, we just, we wanted to do something about it. Like it was the time to uh, not have private conversations and start to take it in the public realm. So I want to thank all the people who agreed to do this crazy experiment with me um, and, uh, and, and really be of service in, in quite a unique way. And so to give a, a bit of a I guess a more drilled down overview, um, this will be, we want the conversation to be far more pragmatic and really focused on the people that need the help who are suffering. Um, so it won't be a theoretical discussion or you know, an academic panel or discussing some of the industry issues. Uh, it, we're really drilling down to try to be as useful and pragmatic to the people who need it. Um, than anyone else. And of course, there are experts that you can go to and, you know, watch on YouTube. Even Sadhguru talks about, you know, mental health and yogic sciences and, and how it works on a larger level. Um, but for us, we'll be, um, we'll be far more specific for, for this panel. Um, oh, good. Thank you, Sean. Is that you, sir? There. <laughs> Thank you, my dear. Um, I'm having some computer issues, so I'm just going to look to that first one second. But if you don't mind, yeah, welcome to, yeah, welcome to Instagram Live. And then just giving um, a brief introduction to, to the people who've joined us. Can you hear me okay, sir? Yeah, yeah, I can. Sorry. Hi, so my name is Zervu. I have a PhD in um, developmental biology. Um, I've been a practitioner of Isha Yoga and since 2016. And currently, one of the things that I really want to do is that I really want to bring um, mindfulness into everybody's everyday life. And just having like a small amount of mindfulness every day, hopefully using mindfulness as a tool for well-being for everybody, which is a very good cup to make. <laughs> okay, well, we have room for Vaisu or, uh, or Weam to join, but we'll, we'll give that a second. And 
Yeah, so to, to give uh, a little bit more background in this as well, I just wanted to share for people a few reasons why I'm really excited for this talk in particular, and then we can drill down into some of the specifics and start asking questions for the panel. Um, the, the first is that on this talk, we're going to be going deep and speaking about a lot of the things that normally we speak about in private, um, but for many reasons, uh, we're, we're having this public conversation um, to bring awareness to various issues. And then, you know, as, as I spoke with some of the panelists earlier, um, you know, talk about some possible solutions and services and resources and guides that are available um, in some cases all around the world. Um, so we know we have a, which is fantastic, a pretty global audience. So we will uh, try to keep this, you know, broad in, in some respects where, um, you know, many of the resources that we're mentioning can, can be helpful to anyone regardless of, you know, finances, regardless of location, et cetera. Um, uh, another thing is we'll be getting intimate and sharing stories, um, you know, struggles more about our background that we haven't necessarily shared in a public setting. Um, but we are hoping to that this, you know, creates uh, a bit of a safe space and, and, and you know, through vulnerability um, and empathy and compassion where people can see what we have gone through to, to get to this point in our lives and what we've overcome and, and how we did it, um, which is uh, above and beyond sadhana, actually. And all of us on the panel, even some of the people that we hope to rope in uh, a little bit later, have been practicing meditators um, for many years now. So, yes, and then, let's see, looking at my notes. Uh, yeah, and then finally, too, something I kind of touched on uh, earlier, we'll be sharing really some of our, our best resources to, to transform your mental health or to start that journey at, at the very least for those who, um, who haven't started yet or are unsure um, where to go, how to begin. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking therapeutic models, services, leading edge resources, um, the whole kind of a, a, much, a much larger spectrum. And, and yeah, just to touch on a little bit why, why we're doing this, um, it's, yeah, it's something that I wrote, I think, in the description, too, that youth, I, I know in some studies they kind of were specific to the U.S., but interestingly, this is now a worldwide phenomenon from the ages of 21 to 34, even 25 to 34, uh, historically, that has been one of the lowest groups um, committing suicide in the world. And I think it was in, what, 10 years, it went from the lowest to the highest now. And if you look at that line graph, it's just, it's skyrocketing. I mean, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. So the need is great, even besides what we're hearing anecdotally, or what I'm hearing anecdotally, and um, I think what Zara and Stephanie and Liam and others on the panel know, um, you know, from, uh, from studies, from clinical practice, et cetera, is that this is a, a real epidemic, a mental health epidemic that we have in our hands and, you know, that all of us really need to do whatever we can, if, if possible, to, to get these numbers to start changing um, and to, you know, raise awareness and get the resources out there. So, so that's a, a little bit of a background. Um, let's see, reading the notes. And... 
start something that, you know, even Stephanie, you and I were talking about earlier, but I know, Sarah, you're, you're just as familiar. Um, I think it would be good for people to, you know, get a bit of a, a broad spectrum understanding of, of what mental health struggles really are um, and what they look like. Because even Stephanie, we were talking, you know, I think a few days ago that you were speaking with someone, you know, who was dealing with debilitating panic attacks, but they didn't even have the language um, or the understanding to identify it or know that's what they were struggling with or that this isn't some, you know, random crazy thing that was happening to them and they're not broken in some way. Um, so, yeah, if you could give a, a bit of a, um, a discussion on that. Yeah, so so like for mental health, I feel like one of the things that you really should really look out for is like if you feel like you just can't do things anymore, right? Like everything that you used to do that made you happy. The things that like normal things that like wouldn't take you an effort to do like if you have such an issue of doing it um one thing that that's probably like a sign that you are having depression one thing that happens to me is that like whenever i i don't always have the words to describe the things that i'm going through right like if i'm going through anxiety like i don't usually always go through that so i don't really know how that feels like all the time and so like Stephanie is like one of my best friends and so I'll, I'll come and I'll ask her like go ask your best friends go ask people that you trust and be like this is kind of how like I feel like do you know how and like they will tell you like because like they if they especially if they know how that feels like anxiety or like panic attacks like I don't even know how a panic attack feels like because I've never had one in my life but then like I think it took me a while to figure out like what an anxiety attack felt like or like what anxiety really felt like because I've always felt it I just never knew what it was and I think that's one of the things that even if you can't like describe even though you don't know what it is you can describe like the things that you're feeling like I feel like I can't think about anything else and focus on this issue like I feel like my heart rate is going a hundred miles per hour like those are things that you can talk to somebody about and they can tell you like, oh, you're kind of going, you're having a lot of anxiety. Like those are the things that like, if it's someone you trust, you can talk to. Yeah, yeah. I think a support system is very important, but uh, I'm finding that, and the problem with traditional psychotherapy. All right, Stephanie, I'll pass the mic to you and then we'll, we'll add her maybe when the connection's a little better. Sure. Um, so my understanding is like the question is kind of what can mental health disorders look like or what can mental health issues look like? Um, and I think a variety of things I can see in the comment, a lot of comments, a lot of people are mentioning, um, they can be anything from like a history of trauma, um, where, you know, someone is experiencing overt flashbacks, nightmares, reliving experiences of a traumatic event that's happened, um, that really uh, impacts their entire kind of both body, nervous system, and mind. It could be something like depression, uh, which is one of the most common things. And it's often, I think people think, oh, when you're depressed, you just feel really sad. 
but a lot of the feeling of depression can be of emptiness, a feeling of not be having as much joy mm -hmm. do things that you used to enjoy doing, a feeling of just like exhaustion or having trouble sleeping. Um, all of these things can seem normal to some people. Oh, I'm just stressed at work. Um, but then they go on for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, months. And that could be a sign that you're actually depressed. Um, mm -hmm. The, uh, you know, anxiety, I think is, again, something that's like normalized in our society, stress, anxiety. Um, but then there's extreme levels of anxiety that actually prevent you from doing what you need to do or want to do. And those are the ones that we really think of as like pathological. Um, mm -hmm. And so that can look anywhere like just really like before you leave the house every day just like feeling so anxious thinking about all the things that could go wrong some people just have this general worry about everything this feeling of uncertainty insecurity like nothing will feel safe um and don't even necessarily realize it's anxiety i think it's just like being kind of wary of the world um but it's this very debilitating amount of anxiety um that can lead to things like panic attacks that we were talking about and then there's what we call serious mental illness, things like bipolar disorder, manic episodes, um, severe depressive disorders with suicidality or psychotic disorders with loss of touch with reality of, um, you know, things like delusions or hallucinations. Um, and so it can look like a lot of things to summarize. And we can obviously talk about more specifics if we want to, or if we have questions around that. Yeah, no, I think that's a good kind of overview. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, were, and again, this is something that we kind of mentioned before, um, is, you know, that these issues are, are really far more pervasive than, you know, than, than we know. Or, you know, or even have a kind of a common knowledge of. Um, actually, there's another kind of wild statistic I wanted to, to share with everyone. Um, and I have too many notes here. But essentially, I think it, it said that, um, at least in, in North America, um, that in four years, the numbers went, I think it was from one in four Americans reporting, you know, anxious or depressive episodes to four in 10. Um, so that's like a, a, four, a fourfold increase in, um, in about four years. It's, it's unbelievable, you know, the, the situation we've been in in the past few years with the, the pandemic. And once I, I bring in before, I don't really want to talk too much about those contextual issues because Jay is a, a master at it and a bit of a poet. Um, so we'll see if we can, we can still bring him into the room. But um, but yeah, for, for Stephanie and Zaire and Liam, I did just see your message. Um, no worries. If, if the connection starts, feel free to, to join or, or request to join at any moment. But, um, but yeah, uh, Stephanie and Zaire, I mean, I'd love to get your perspective on it because it's something that, you know, we talked about on the outside. Um, and we'll say particularly because the majority of people um, on, you know, this panel are, we're kind of talking about mental health matters for meditators too. Um, you know, those who are practicing, you know, how or why these issues might go hand in hand, you know, why or how sadhana could stir up the pot <laughs> for deeper sankaras, certain schemas, et cetera, that are happening. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with, um, I mean, I call it opening Pandora's box because I've seen it 
Um, I actually uh, lived in and volunteered in the Indian Ashram for a year, 2018-2019, and um, I saw it with myself and I saw it so many times. But, uh, but anyway, I'd love for, for, for one or, or both of you guys to kind of address that as well. Yeah, um, so I, maybe it's easier to talk from personal experience of, mm -hmm. of with that first, um, because I think that's where I have the most knowledge, obviously. Um, I, I also was in India at the same time as Bridget. Um, I was there for four months uh, to volunteer and do the Samyama program. And right after that, it was just like this explosion of all of this like deep stuff and um, severe amounts of just like pain is mm -hmm. almost like it felt like physical and mental pain feel like I was fully engaged. Um, and so I, I think that this is a common experience among a lot of people that I met who've started doing yoga um, seriously. Um, and really keeping their sadhana up every day is that I think, like Sagar says, it's like things happen on fast forward. They happen in such an intense way. Um, the other thing that I think happens is like just being so present and mindful and like all of that with like your experiences of what's happening. You break out of this pattern of kind of like unconsciousness that we all are trying to get out of trying to move from unconsciousness to consciousness and all of this stuff is coming up at the same time into your consciousness and into your awareness um that has been under the surface for your whole life um and is kind of playing itself out and uh so yeah it can be i think a really intense experience and while the answer may still be do sadhana those experiences and i think several other people have talked about it often are really debilitating when you're trying to function in the world. And that is what I would consider a mental health disorder that is happening. That doesn't mean that more sadhana won't also eventually help make things better. But what do you do in the meantime? How do you function? How do you, I go and become a psychiatry resident and get through everything? Um, and that's where I think like really working on the other sets of tools um, for our mental health can be really important. Yeah, I remember um, a few years ago about this. Uh, one thing what was happening to me when I was doing my sadhana all, all the time was that um, my heart just started hurting. There was like pain in my heart, like all the time. And like, I was literally crying over everything. And I'm not a very sensitive person, like, but like I would cry over everything. Like every little thing would just make me cry. And like, sometimes I just sat, I just sat in my bed and I just, cried because like I mean there's I think one of the things is that like I just had to really go through those emotions was and so like I just sat and I cried and um one of the things that I, at the time I was um I was a postdoc at San Francisco and so like I have access to like getting a therapist and stuff but I and even as a student you can get um therapy through your school for free I'm pretty sure there's usually always a counselor on um that's that's paid that can be um, on campus that you can go see. Me, fortunately, um, I I had a friend, and so I just went and saw that friend because, like, it was easier for me to, like, talk to a friend that I trusted. And I um, – so the one thing about, like, therapists and 
people who are like going to see a mental health specialist is that sometimes you don't really trust them or like sometimes you just don't feel comfortable with them right and like and it really it really matters like you really have to like really mesh or you really have to match up and majority of time you really don't and so like I was very lucky I had a friend and I just went and I talked to that friend all the time and it really helped and it really helped my mental health and like recently I started doing kundalini yoga I know like I'm not supposed to be mix and matching but I I feel like um it helps me with accountability and one of the things that I started seeing was that like like I, I I felt like I kept getting like vertigo. Like I like whenever like I tried closing my eyes or stuff, like I would, like the room would be spinning and stuff. But I feel like um you just really just so I one thing that I do is that like I don't do it more than a, a once a week. And I and that actually keeps it at bay. Like if even if you still want to do your sadhanas and you feel like too much is coming up at the same time, like I don't usually, usually what I do is that I don't stop it all, all the way. Like I try to like tease it out and I just do it like every other day or I do it once a week. And I feel like that's enough because like you have stuff coming up, but it's not too much at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and just for people too, who are familiar with the sadhana that, that we're talking about, I mean, it's, Balancing sadhana is really good in those situations. Um, and, and the great thing is we're talking about it and normalizing it and saying, actually, this can be very common, um, that it's affecting your mental, physical health. Um, and so one is for those who've done, you know, inner engineering, uh, sukhakriya, um, or nadi shuddhi, uh, for those who are, and these are free, um, easy practices that you can get online, um, anywhere. Nadi Shudi, and then the, the second being Om Chanting, again, if you've done inner engineering, um, I think we call it, Vaisu, do you remember, is it like Yoga for Peace, the, where Sadhguru yes. does the... Yeah, I think so. It's, it's there in yeah. the Sadhguru app for free, I think. It is, yeah, yeah, they're all there, or on, on YouTube, but you'll, it, it, you know, get a, a similar effect, but both of those are really good. Um, especially for the things that the Kriyas can stir up. I mean, as Zare was talking about the, um, yeah, uh, many things, depending on the foundation you have and, and depending on, on where you're coming from. Um, yeah, Vaisu, is there anything that you wanted to share too on this? Yeah, like, uh, I'll be very honest, like, uh, for the past two weeks, you know, I'm a, it's my marriage in a month. So for the past two weeks, there's a lot of things that is popping up. So this undue expectation that I need to be happy, I need to do things, it's kind of like an added pressure on me. So I am doing the Kriyas, these things are popping up. So there's always a conflict within me. Like, how, how do I manage all these things? Like, I'll be very honest, especially Bridget, when you said I need to come on the panel, that also triggered a bit of anxiety. Oh, I need to be on a panel. I need to put things out. You know, I'm supposed to talk on mental health, but if I myself am I struggling, how do I help people? But I realized just me being honest about my stuff would might add some value. That's why I said, let me do this. And whatever little I can do, that is enough. So, like, especially what helped me along with the sadhana is, like you said, uh, the sukakriya and uh, arm chanting. There's one more practice that I definitely hold on to. It's a free practice, but I personally find it very effective for myself. It's the chitshakti meditation for peace. Because it's a guided meditation and I don't need to force myself to sit and do something. There is something that is guided. So, it helps me a lot in, you know, uh, grounding myself and... Uh, 
getting back to that just understanding that i don't need to do a lot of things i just need to do what matters to me uh at the same time i think uh it is very essential for me to find a community or to find that one person like uh, you were saying with whom i can share everything who would not say to me like okay just do your sadhana this is all nothing something is coming back up just focus on your sadhana because i feel this because as a person who is uh, putting a lot about inner engineering and how it helps me uh, there is a little bit added thing that how will i share that inner engineering is no longer working or you know i'm mm-hmm. still facing issues <laughs> you know uh, if i say that will there be a backlash will there be a, this thing but i try to be as honest as possible like whether even with this is my podcast that i record with meditators i tell them like if you're facing struggles please tell that because i think right now there is this narrative that we need to push the program we need to tell it it promotes it it is the ultimate solution for everything yes in a way it helps but there are a lot of other things to it uh, like i especially realized it once when i was interviewing one person on camera i was telling me like inner engineering has worked for me angamadana is the best it is the best but the moment i switched off the camera is like you know i'm struggling in the ashram i feel like running away from here like is is this the same for you so that's when it hit me oh okay there is something else at that time i was very joyful with the practices to be very honest like every day there was i was just doing it i was just going high high but when someone else told me something like this that's when it struck me okay there is more to the practices there's a lot of things that can happen with each person and after that i noticed after a period of time this was again starting to happen with me also so i think to be very honest on this journey is also equally important to connect with people who are honest even when they are doing the practices and to be supportive of them when they are trying new things and not just saying no sadhana is the ultimate solution you just go with it don't take anything i think that's what is what i would like to add to this topic and that's why i'm here also because i want to listen to what are the alternatives that i can use or other people who can use when especially when sadhana might be might have to take a back seat or maybe one have to like the ultimate thing is stopping your sadhana that's i think the ultimate thing like oh you stopped your sadhana but i think that's that's okay like you might have to take a break and do something for yourself which might help you so that's what i would like to bring answer. in other uh, other modalities other practices other therapeutic approaches i was just trying to ping i don't know if they want me to say their name or not but i was having this conversation with uh, men uh, three uh, isha hatha teachers but i'm sure if i brought it up with more um there yeah among my friends at least there aren't many who would disagree um that uh, that they struggled as well um quite a bit you know with these practices and on this path um and in fact uh one one dear friend uh hatha teacher had actually said as a result we were speaking after this one tragic death in particular but but you know in the larger community there have been others and she said we bear a responsibility for it you know um there are those of us who make our living on these practices and so sometimes there could be an added pressure almost to have a kind of a marketing uh uh layer of you know sadhana as the cure all even if that maybe is a an implicit or or ex- explicit assumption um and she said you know we we have a res- we bear like a responsibility to this and um it was just uh, i'll see if if she can join in a minute but um uh it was it was really well put and i hope this conversation is a part of really breaking that mythos um that one sadhana was ever supposed to be a cure all or a kind of instant cure all it's something that we talk about in kriya yoga that the sadguru says and and many other masters that eventually down the line 
um, you know, that this is the potency of, you know, this practice that is focused on, um, you know, your energetic system, that it has that capacity. But in the here and now, just as Stephanie was saying, like, I'm a resident, I have to be a human in this world. Um, and I have all these things coming up, I'm really struggling. It might take, I don't know how many years or how long, if I were to only rely on this one modality, and that's really putting like all my eggs in one basket when I'm struggling to show up in my life right now. Well, Stephanie, I'll give you the mic. I don't want to listen to you, but yeah. <laughs> um, like this brings up the conversation you and I were having on the phone earlier, like to me, of like, inner engineering has the intention and like the tools to help some of the mind stuff, but it is, it's a very, it's meant to be a very simplified version is my understanding. It's like to something that you can keep kind of reminding yourself. And if you really can live in an inner engineering, you probably are like doing well. But a lot of us, I know I definitely do. It sounds like other people struggle to stay in that like inner engineering mindset. Um, like really um, staying there all the time just doesn't happen for a lot of people. And I think there's, psychiatric and therapy tools that can really help with those same things help with those other like aspects of things that are not just the energy level the kriya level um and for me those have been really important um things like cognitive behavioral therapy acceptance and commitment therapy are like to just like uh well-studied uh therapeutic modalities that really work on some of those other things. They work on the level of the mind, the level of the emotions and the level of activity. That's in fact, the, the triangle of CBT is those three things. And those are the other kind of wheels of the car behind besides like the energy um, that like the Kriya really focuses on. And so I don't see it as contrary to sadhana to use some of these other tools to help with the mind, the emotions, like your activity, uh, because you're doing the same thing. It's just right now, it's very, very difficult to just stay in that like kind of inner engineering mindset. And it's like, these are tools that can get you back into that and can make your sadhana feel better and more powerful and more stable. Um, and so I think like, it, it's just really important to like, Re recognize when what you're doing is not helping you be as functional as you want to be. Mm. Um, and maybe there's some other little tools that can be really helpful. Yeah, I agree, Stephanie. I feel like people do feel like it's like the Kriya is like a cure-all, right? But like the energy stuff is just really fun. Like it's, but it's a really small part of the puzzle. I feel like um, when I was going, like when I was going through a lot of stuff and I felt like my heart was literally breaking. Like one thing, um, I talked to a lot of like yoga teachers and I talked to a lot of people at the time and like, they're like, write down every emotion you feel, like sit down and write for hours, like in a journal, like how you feel all the time. Like, because literally that's, that's really where like you have to start. Like, and at the time, I was kind of the same way where I was kind of like, oh, like if I just do Shambhavi like twice a day, it's going to solve all my problems. And like for a little bit, it did. But then like I was just pushing away like the real troubles that was really bothering me. And so like when I actually like sat down and really just like kind of wrote out all my emotions and my feelings and things that I felt about what was going on, like I did more work 
doing that. I did more like I grew more spiritually from doing that than just doing the Kriya alone. Yeah, Savannah, I just saw your comment um, a second ago that during, I, I don't even know how far back down it was, but uh, yes, that actually this is a part of Sadhanapada as well, um, or at least uh, <laughs> in the early days, years ago, I'm, I'm assuming it still is. Um, but yeah, in, incredibly helpful uh, and definitely a tool um, that I would recommend. And in fact, there's journaling prompts from prominent, you know, psychotherapists, psychiatrists, et cetera, online that you can look up. Um, besides, actually, Sadhanapada, there's a certain, uh, um, there, there are journaling prompts that they give as well. But, but yeah, all, in the, all of the above are, are helpful. Um, and actually, I know we we're kind of answering that question before it was even asked, but there's a different level to, um, you know, what we were talking about earlier, too, with the Kriya Yoga and, you know, it's kind of connection or um, with therapeutic practices as well. And Stephanie, it's something that we spoke about earlier. It's not just, um, you know, Sadhguru that's mentioned it, but, but many um, you know, great masters that, because Kriya has been around for centuries, but uh, that it is an incredibly powerful practice and that it requires um, a certain foundation. In fact, that's why, you know, the great masters only taught it to their most senior students or Acharyas, you know, the Buddha as well, um, because of its, you know, great intensity. And so they talk about needing a certain foundation that Hatha Yoga for sure can help with. Um, it's not the only thing, but it's it's a, a necessary, um, uh, you know, prerequisite almost. Um, but one of the things, you know, two words actually Saiguru mentions a number of times that people need a certain level of, you know, receptivity and readiness um, to to prepare for, to, to prepare for, for Kriya. And so, Stephanie, yeah, if you, because we were talking about this earlier, if you can kind of, you know, respond to that with, you know, if therapeutic models can kind of fit into, um, you know, building that foundation. And one quick thing that I want to add, um, you know, I don't even know how many like hundreds of meditators I know at this point, but I have seen with my own eyes too, especially the time at the ashram, that uh, the Korea practices can work dramatically differently um, depending on the practitioner, depending on the person. But I really saw with my own eyes the, uh, you know, how that having a certain foundation and strong mental, I would say even constitution, even more than a phys strong physical constitution um, can make a world of a difference. That some people in their career practices, their Dr. Strange in the cosmos or in the inner resources of their recesses of their mind. And then others are, you know, struggling like, uh, almost like you're in the swamp and your thoughts are like flies and you're just trying to swat away the thoughts. I mean, I'll take Shunya as an example, um, to have some peace or some stillness in the mind. But, um, but again, I mean, they can just work wildly differently depending on the person. And um, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll give the mic to you, Stephanie, on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think like I can talk more towards like the evidence-based therapies that... Um, you know, that we use commonly, uh, and how I think they do, like, create some of that readiness, some of that same state. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my phone is dying, and it's not charging properly. So I will do my best to help it charge. And uh, sorry if I disappear. Um, no, you're 
It's one, the, it's one of the themes of the night. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to do it for my computer, but that didn't work. Um, but, you know, uh, for me, like, personally, my favorite therapy is called acceptance and commitment therapy. It's something that maybe a lot of people haven't heard about. Um, the entire intention of it is, in a sense, kind of like inner engineering, accepting what is present in this moment, accepting things the way they are through something called radical acceptance, which is something you train in over time. It's not something that just says, hey, you know, accept it's something that like, can be like, there's tools and uh, things that help you get to that point of acceptance. Um, and then it's about like, being more mindful, being more present in the moment, being more grounded. Um, it's about challenging those thoughts too. So those thoughts that come up that like, that make us feel sad and depressed and all of those things and not necessarily challenging them in the same way as cognitive behavioral therapy in which you directly challenge those thoughts and you try to argue why they're not true with yourself, which can be really difficult for some people. In acceptance and commitment therapy, it's more about, um, oh, there's that story again, that story of how I'm incompetent. Yeah like kind of making light making joke almost of some of the thoughts that we take so seriously um but like in a very like therapeutic way and it's again a process that's kind of done over time and then like i said there's a huge mindfulness component that i think like plays well into like sadhana um and it's also about value-based living so making committed actions towards your values and your goals and if your goal is um to improve sadhana, to do any of those things. It can be in any area of your life that these values and these actions are done. Um, that is one of my favorite types of therapy, I think, to help with this. Um, the other one that I uh, mentioned, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of one of these kind of core new age or new wave um, therapies. Um, yeah, that, like, new wave, not new age people. <laughs> um, they came after like, you know, classic psychodynamic therapy where you just explore your childhood and all of these other kind of things. Um, and that one really is about directly challenging those thoughts mm -hmm. and saying, where does this, like, a little bit, where does this thought come from? And then a little bit of why this thought isn't true, kind of learning that thoughts are not true. Um, or, or working from different levels. So you can work on the level of thoughts, you could work on the level of behaviors. And, uh, kind of, again, make changes in your mind based on that. Um, Can I just pause real, real quick, Stephanie, yeah. because this is profound in such a way. When we talk about even, um, I'll, I'll give an example in Isha Kriya, which by the way, for people who are new to, you know, meditation practices, et cetera, highly, highly recommend. It's only 12 minutes. It's free. It's online. Anyone have, has access to it. It is a Kriya yoga practice that you don't need to be initiated or even consecrated into. Um, and I've seen, actually, hi from Mexico, everyone. <laughs> but I've seen, uh, we, we did a few sessions here, um, which is really my first time uh, outside of like maybe Clubhouse, but you know, you don't really see the impact that it makes on people. And, um, but hearing from the messages I'm getting, the emails from people who are regularly practicing Isha Kriya. Anyway, dramatic. But one of the, the cornerstones of this practice, right, is the I'm not the body. I, you know, I'm not even the mind. But I feel like, you know, even in my own experiences, these, uh, I'd say more therapeutic models have allowed me to understand 
the depths of um, of even you know that saying or that mantra to a whole new level and start to apply it to my life um, on a daily basis and not just when I'm sitting for meditation or if I'm doing Ishakriya or Shambhavi or, or any of the other dozens of practices. Um, it, it changes my whole relationship with, with this. And I think understanding it more on, on an experiential level. Um, and actually, something the, the two, um, if you could speak more about it too, I know we'll get it. So everyone in the, the second half, um, or the, I shouldn't say second half at this point, where I don't even know how long, it is, but, but at, towards the end of the conversation, we'll talk more, we'll give a list of some of the resources and guides and, and recommendations where people can can take them and, and start to make uh, you know see see what modalities see what other you know practices they they might be interested in but but Stephanie since we're talking about it anyway um, you know both of these is there you know do you does it require having a certain therapist I mean maybe CBT is an is an absolute yes or you know, can they kind of start to engage with it through certain books or if there's a writer or other resources that you recommend? Yeah, I definitely have a list and I'm happy to share it now or share it later as we're talking about resources. But the really nice thing about both of these things is there's something that you can do a lot of on your own. I think mm -hmm. like a therapist can be really useful in helping recognize patterns that are coming up as you're talking to them, things that may be unconscious to you. Um, that like that you may be able that may be able to like help you more work through certain things um, but both of these are methods that respond very well to like self-work to things like journaling to things like looking at our own thoughts to whatever extent we're able to do that um and that is one of the benefits especially if it's really you're living in a place where it's really hard to get a therapist um Versus some of the other therapists really, or therapies do really require that like engagement with the therapist, that presence with the therapist. Um, like I would not recommend doing intense trauma work on your own. Um, it can be really, I mean, it can be really, really difficult. People do it. And I've, I've done some of it on my own. And um, I think like those are, there's situations where having a therapist to really help support you through that is very beneficial um but there's still things that you can do towards that on your own um let me how about if you can ask someone else a question i need to try to see if i can find another charger or i will not be able to stay on yeah, um, yeah absolutely while, while you're off actually for a minute just to let people know who are, who are joining welcome for the new people um this is our panel on mental health matters for meditators too um, and just so we know, we have a fantastic um, volunteer and very dear friend of mine, Karishma, who her story was really the impetus for this panel taking place. So for those who know her, um, give her all the accolades. She deserves all of them. And, uh, and she's taking notes for us right now. So at the end of the talk or, or whenever she's ready for it, no rush. <laughs> uh, but she'll share. Uh, we'll, we'll have a Google document that I'll share by Sue you know, all of us really on social medias or wherever you're, you're following us, um, that lists many of the resources, references, you know, services, guides that we're, we're talking about um, so that, you know, people don't need to like run and grab pen and paper or, you know, a, a laptop or whatever to take notes. Um, we're doing that work for you. 
So, so just so you know, there, there will be a, a place that you guys can go to, to learn more about it, start to engage, um, or, or check out some of um, these resources that we're talking about. Um, and Zarin Baisu, is there anything that you guys wanted to add to on, on the topic that we were, we were discussing? Yeah, yeah, I like to talk about one person who, who, like, who I think was the first person on social media who actually talked about it a bit way before, you know, we thought, you know, these things were happening. Uh, there was one Hatha Yoga teacher, Annie Akai. I don't know whether she's online right now. She was so, yeah, yeah, she was a Vintek. I think she, she went. She, would, uh, she had this um, bicycle yogi thing along with Ajayana and the Hatha Yoga teacher. They would go around India teaching yoga. So she was this thing that the yoga is... Means the, the thing that I found that something must have worked for the Hatha Yoga. That's why she's doing this, no? She's cycling everything. But at the same time, I, it was... Uh, I admire her honesty that later she posted in her feed, like even after the Hatha Yoga training, it was not working for her. She was still going through a lot of trauma and for a period of time, she actually had to stop the practices. And that was very, very inspiring for me because she was very honest because being a Hatha Yoga teacher, I'm sure she must have faced a little, a lot of backlash. How can you say this? But still she, she was honest. And I think that's very important, especially on social media. There's a need and I feel there's a need to portray in a certain way. But I think the opposite is also true. And everything is so transparent. If you're actually being honest and genuine, that is very important. And, and I think that helped me with the healing also. Like right now when I'm going through this, I took a break from it. Uh, I, I have never done silence in the ashram. Even though I've gone through the Samyama program, I have never gone for a three-day silence. So for people who don't know, if you want to intensify your practices, if you just want to spend time with yourself, there's something known as silence, which you can go to the ashram. They give you a schedule where you just follow your practices and you can get back with the practices. So I literally decided to do that because there was a lot of disconnect with me and the practice. I was doing all the kriyas and all the things, but it was all about I need to do this, 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 and then I need to do my rest of the things. <laughs> but a point came like I neither was I doing the practices nor was I able to do things in the world. So I was like, what the hell? What am I doing? Neither is the practices happening nor am I able to work effective in the world. So let me just focus on the practices and see if there is something to it. So that's when... I decided to do the silence and doing the silence, I realized like suddenly the rush in my mind to get things in the world just slowed down. Mm. So I was able to more be with my breath, more focus on each of the asana I was doing and, uh, and slowly, slowly from there, it started picking up a little bit. I won't say everything changed after doing the silence. No, it was the ultimate solution. No, but I was like, okay, it's okay. Vaishag. You can, you know, it's okay. You can do things. Mm. The next step I felt was going for the correction practices. Like maybe just going to Hatha Yoga class again and again because learning it once I realized is not one thing because during the COVID time, it just struck me like, you know, even though I was doing the practice, it was so hard. But at that time, one Akka Kanikaka Hatha Yoga teacher was doing a Surya Kriya, just a simple Surya Kriya class. But just being in a presence and doing the practice was a whole lot different than just the way the hand, you keep it a little more straighter, you bend your head a little bit more. And I realized how powerful it is. Like maybe I've been doing the practice for two years continuously Surya Kriya, but the one three-day session with her, I realized I was doing it totally wrong. Mm -hmm. So it's a very confusing thing, like to understand whether the Kriya is working or not, or is it because I'm doing it wrongly? So it becomes a lot. It's very hard to figure it out, but it is something that I had to, I had to do it and figure it out for myself. So that is what's something that I would like to add to the audience. You know, there are a lot of resources, but uh, um, try to connect with me, Bridget Akka, or who are us and I, we'll all try to help in whichever way. I think that is what the, at the end of the day we want this panel to be, right? So, but uh, that effort especially has to be there, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, there was uh, someone in the comments that was saying um, 
that when she had a lot of um, issues that came up and she was doing sadhana, she would talk to people and they would tell her to just keep doing her sadhana. And like now she's saying that something about her left eye can't open anymore due to the sadhana and stuff. And I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Like, I totally agree with you. Like, if the sadhana is not, um, not working for you, like, just quit doing the sadhana. Like, one of the things that was happening to me was that, like, I, it wasn't that, like, the sadhana wasn't working for me. I just knew that, like, I had to do something else. Like, the sadhana alone wasn't enough. And so that's why, like, I did the journaling. Like, I did something else. I did anything, everything else that I could possibly do. The things that, like, I sh that you kind of know that you should be doing, but then you don't want to do it because you bring up all these things that you don't want to talk about or you don't want to think about, right? And so, like, all those things, like, I just sat down and I went through it and, like, they all came out and and I had to stop doing the sadhana. So like, and it was it was kind of convenient because at the time, like, I got pregnant and so, like, I couldn't really fast anymore. And so, like, it was really convenient for me and I could just be like, oh, like, I was pregnant. I couldn't fast anymore. But, like, the real reason was really because, like, the sadhana wasn't working for me. And then it's been, it's been a, my, my baby is a year old now. So, like, it's been almost two years since, um, since that's happened and so I finally like started doing my sadhanas again and I feel like I'm in a great place like every time I do it I feel great but like if the sadhana is not working for you I totally agree like especially like what um Annie said like it wasn't working for her so she stopped doing it and that's exactly what I did like it stopped working for me and I stopped doing it and I found other avenues that was helping and then once those things like once like they've helped and now that I'm doing those things I came back and I did my sadhana and I feel great about it and I don't regret it one bit like if the sadhana doesn't work for you like don't do it and you can always revisit it if you want if you don't like don't come back and revisit and it's horrible what people tell you like oh just keep doing your sadhana like nothing's wrong it's all in your head like it's not in your head like it really is having consequences and so then it feels horrible like I'm so I'm so sorry. Like that's all I can really say to you. It's like I'm so sorry that they did this to you, and then, but I feel like that's also a problem. And like one of the things that us practitioners and meditators is like one thing that we don't talk about. And I'm so happy that um, you have us on here, Bridget, is really to talk about this, have an open dialogue and an open talk about this because everybody goes through it, but no one talks about it. Yeah. And, you know, a few other options, too, that I would add to people if there is a, you know, well, number one, I'd recommend, I mean, you can write in, depending on what you're having issues with, there's the, you know, the email, I think info, something easy to look up for the Hatha school, if you're having difficulties with the practice, or there's something, you know, quite big coming up. Um, they also can always speak with, you know, one of the Ma's with Hatha school or a Swami for reference if, if they don't know an answer. Um, so you can get some very good answers that way. Um, there's also, I think, info at innerengineering.com, which can help if there are certain things happening with the Kriyas. And, they, and also there are people that are, um, if not brahmacharis, even in the US ashram, um, there are some of the, you know, uh, Shunya or BSP teachers who are amazing resources. I have known people who had all sorts of things come up as a result of the practices. And so the kind of targeted advice they gave was really key. Sometimes it was, you know, this particular practice is not helpful for you. 
if you're dealing with these things or you have these things coming up, you need to stop that. And then, you know, there's XYZ practices that are helpful and will, um, I mean, even Sadhguru says, these practices really need to be customized. All the yoga masters speak about that. That's one of, you know, meant to be one of the greatest draws of having a live master where you're learning these practices that you can get that feedback. And I mean, that's a separate conversation, but obviously with Isha, it's very large, you know, there are, 20 million plus people who've been through the program. So, uh, you know, resources are, are limited, but there's, there are avenues, there are avenues. I would just um, emphasize that. And even as Vice, you said, all of us are, are, are resources in, in whatever way we can be, it might be very limited, but we might also be able to refer, recommend um, people to another place. And one thing I wanted to talk about, I actually just quickly <laughs> messaged Danny that we're, we're talking about her story, but, um, but Vaisu, thanks for, for bringing it up and referencing it. And she's very public with it. So that's something that uh, we can speak about a bit more. But um, actually, specifically, when she took that break, uh, she started working very intensely with a master in Himalayas on her mind. And, and she talks about this on Instagram. She talks about this in other, other uh, public channels. But, but that was really the... Um, you know, the, the turning point for her. And, and honestly, it was the, the turning point for me as well. Um, there are, I guess, different therapeutic models that I've, um, you know, experimented with and, and worked in. One of the resources that I would highly recommend to people, I mean, it depends on where you are in the journey. I think you need a certain foundation to start to um, engage with this. But, um, but two people who've been a phenomenal resource, uh, one for me, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and I'll put in the resource guide that we publish after, there's one lecture in particular where he kind of goes through mostly neuroscience and behavioral science that, um, you know, in the past 10 or so years has come to uh, give, you know, evidence or give proof to the extent that our mind, our thoughts are, are really influencing or, or creating our reality. And then the, the second um, resource that I would highly recommend to people, it's a, a writer, he passed away some decades ago, actually, but his name is Neville Goddard. Um, <laughs> Savani's in the audience, he, he knows him well, but yeah, I had some friends who told me later, like, oh, this guy is the mystic of Reddit, you're just hearing about him? Um, and uh, I don't go on Reddit, but, uh, but I guess Gen Z and millennials have found him and uh, you know, even though he's well passed on, his work has been resurrected to an incredible extent. And um, he actually was, I think, both initiated and taught by a yogi from, from Egypt, uh, a mystic and, and yogi from Egypt. So his lineage is very interesting and, in, you know, how he kind of came to this work. But, but yeah, these are some resources that, uh, particularly with Neville, have been uh, totally, you know, transforming for me. And for those who don't even know, just a, a bit of my story, I struggled with an autoimmune condition for uh, many, many years. And, um, you know, at the lowest, it just completely uh, took me out. I mean, I was having organ failure. I had lost so much weight. I'd lost so much hair. <laughs> I was in so much pain. I, I had to stop working. Um, I was just an absolute wreck at the same time that I was, you know, seeing a ton of specialists and going through God knows what treatment on, you know, Eastern or Western modalities. And uh, it's really, really shocking the, uh, 
the different treatments that I tried and even potentially some extreme things. So this lasted like over 10 years. So <laughs> um, that I did and, and really it was working to, to change my mind, change my emotions, but, you know, and as a result really changed my energy. That uh, was the turning point for me that just started, you know, having exponential change. Sometimes I describe to people, yeah, yeah, Stevan, totally agree. Um, as like chit shakti, but uh, amplified, um, and where you can understand really how this is working, how um, it can you know change your life, change your mind, um, even from a, a scientific a science perspective. And I think you know for those of us who come from uh, you know certain educational background or certain cultural background, where this is this is how we are you know raised. I wasn't really raised with you know bhakti or devotion. Um, I, you know, very logical, analytical mind and, you know, kind of needing that foundation to believe or buy into, um, I'd say a lot of the things that I'm taught. So actually, Stephanie, now that we have you back, we just wanted to engage you as well. If there's anything that came up with, for you in this. Um, yeah. Uh, you mean in terms of resources? Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think because I think we talked about doing things on the level of like free resources for like working through mental health stuff. And then obviously it goes from that to like, you know, different kinds of paid resources. Um, on the free resources side, there's, you know, multiple apps and websites. And again, like my background is in um, like psychiatry. So it comes from kind of that angle and from like psychiatric disorders anxiety and other things um there is and i'll have to figure out how to actually like paste them here uh there's oh, you don't this- have to worry about it babe we'll, we'll put it in karishma's amazing yeah she's our incredible volunteer note taker and she'll she'll put that in the google docs after it's yeah. done um there's this uh website the center for clinical interventions it's um based out of australia they have like this series of like different kind of mental health uh, like worksheets, things that you can work for if you you know you're struggling with a certain thing. Um, there's things like CB. There's free CBT apps. Um, uh, one that I think is a good like combination of cognitive behavioral therapy and like journaling is called the CBT Thought Diary. That's like been pretty highly ranked by mm-hmm. psychiatrists and psychologists. Um, there's one called What's at, What's Up. It's a mental health app. Um, for insomnia, there's something called CBTI Coach uh, that like can be really useful. Um, MindShift CBT is one that focuses on anxiety and it's um, built by uh, this group in Canada and has been like studied extensively and is uh, pretty well done. Um, and then like from there, there's uh, there's books. So like again. I'm focusing on the therapies that I, I've talked about already, the CBT and uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, um, simple books that just like give you an intro to that into like understanding what uh, what those modalities are and help you start working through things on your own. Um, the Happiness Trap, um, How to Stop Struggling and Start Living by Russ Harris is uh, an acceptance and commitment therapy book that's like, very very simple but like really really goes through oh here is like how you work with like your thoughts and accepting them um 
Get Out of Your Mind and Into Your Life is by Stephen Hayes, who's the founder of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. Um, that can be really useful. Uh, and then Act Made Simple is, again, uh, another resource for that particular therapy. Mm -hmm. um, for cognitive behavioral therapy, um, Mind Over Mood is a... Uh, is a really good like intro to cognitive behavioral therapy and really helps people. Um, and uh, there's specific things like the anxiety and worry work workbook that are based around like anxiety and worry specifically that is also CBT based that um, is really highly ranked. Um, there's plenty of others that I can obviously like add. To yeah, we'll list. put it in your notes, absolutely. Yeah, those are like, you know, in my field, like kind of the books that we recommend to patients um, who want to learn more about these particular types of therapy. Also, real quick, I'm, I'm going to pass it and we, um, we can bring you on as well, because I know this is really where you and I spoke in private about this. And um, I really want to get your take and, and also your resources and um, and for people to even understand uh, there's certain modalities that you work with that I think I'd, I'd really love to bring light to. Um, the second thing is, and then we'll kind of go into um, Q&A, and there, there's so many comments. I haven't really been able to track them. I don't know if Zara, Vaisu, or any of you have been able to grab them. But uh, if you go into, I think it's like the question icon, you can leave um, a question as well. If you'd like us to respond or there's something in, in particular, you kind of want to post the panel or even in particular Per member on the panel. Um, and yeah, speaking of which, Zare, if you have any, uh, and we'll bring, Weam, if, if you can join as well, we'll, we'll bring you up. But but Zare, if you have any, um, you know, resources, guides, et cetera, too, that, that you would recommend? No, I think Stephanie did a really great job. I think she covered majority of the things. I think she covered more than what I had down, actually. I'm back. Let's see. Do you want one of us to leave for a little bit? That might be, yeah, that's right. We're capped at four. Um, let me see. Oh, Vice, you left. <laughs> He's got it. I was just going to try to see if I could get on with my computer. Leave a question. Or if you already left it in the comments, I'm sorry if we lost it. There have been, it's really no, hard. I've been, uh, I've been keeping track of them. So sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so. Um, do you want me to say their name? Shri <laughs> Shri Comedy. So I think it's Shri Shri Comedy um, asked, do you guys think that there could be more connection with Isha guides? Assuming the olden days, these practices were taught with more contact with an actual guru. Expanding up to 20 plus million people has had its... Uh... Yeah, I mean, that would be a whole different conversation, but it's definitely had its, its challenges and its struggles, unfortunately. Um, but are there any questions there that, that came up? Also, I know this one question that there's two that people submitted and Weam actually was gonna um, specifically talk about one of them. Um, but if we can't, she, might, she was having technical difficulties, so she might not be able to um, pose this. And yeah, Stephanie's there if you guys, if you guys want to direct it. Um, so I'll just, I'll read, I'll read what they submitted. Uh, I feel stuck no matter how much I try to come out, just one thought and it pulls me down again. It's a mixture of emotions that stem from emotional attachment, unfulfilled expectations, desires that got crushed, 
self-pity, regret, and resentment. This is a strong pattern that I find difficult to break. Yeah, I mean, I think those are the exact things that like some of the therapies that I, I talked about already do target because, and again, I think if you can have a therapist, if that is a feasibility where you live in with insurance and all of the things that go into like whether you can find a therapist or not, um, having that to help those can be helpful useful too but though that feeling of being stuck of your thoughts having so much power over you mm. what both cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance commitment therapy work on on they work on that level of the thought which is um i think a powerful way to like really like get that emotion calm down it's really hard to work on the level of emotion i think the way that you do it is by meditating and sitting with so say an emotion comes up um and you're feeling it really really strongly um sometimes getting out of your head sinking into your body and just literally watching what does the emotion look like in my body what am i feeling in my chest what am i feeling in my belly what am i feeling in like the tightness in my shoulders and kind of labeling that and using that as both like a mindful um mindful like a uh, tool and also using that as a way to get out of that pattern that keeps repeating in the mind over and over again um that can be really powerful and we often do that with patients um we call it sitting in the suck um <laughs> like so you have before, yeah, yeah. Yeah. what's a suck sitting in the sitting in the suck so it is really um and so right now it really sucks. I'm feeling really terrible. And just being able to like sit and accept those feelings can be really powerful on its own. And then when you're not in the strongest like emotional state where you're in an immediate reactivity, um, that's where working with your thoughts can be really powerful. And um, again, I think it's hard to really explain the full therapy in the context of this um, this panel, but like being able to either challenge your thoughts, um, where is this pattern coming from? Why is it coming up? Is this pattern true? What is the evidence for it? What is the evidence against it? Um, those kind of realms of like working with your thoughts um, or just being like, oh, there that thought is again. That thought comes up a lot. That came from my childhood. That's not a thought that I want to be important to me anymore and almost like a letting go of that kind of thought pattern that over time as you let it go again and again can eventually get better um so there's obviously a lot of like technical details to all of this but that would be my general recommendation of where you could start mm -hmm. and just for people to know as well I, unfortunately we are i know i know was having technical difficulties but she had a number of resources to recommend to people. Uh, so her background is as a clinical therapist for those who are in the very beginning and, and heard, heard a bit from her before, before Wi-Fi killed it all. Um, but we will add on the notes uh, document that we will share to people. And if you've just joined uh, at the end of the live, we have an amazing uh, friend, uh, Karishma, who is taking notes um, for many of the resources and references and guides that 
that we're naming in this COP talk. And so we will have that as a public document that people can access and use as a starting point to, you know, look at different modalities, look at different, you know, approaches and, um, you know, potential areas for help. And actually, Stephanie, one thing I wanted to, before we'll, we'll close um, fairly soon, because I'm not sure, this is a heartbreaker, but yeah, I think Jay was having technical difficulties too, so I don't think we'll be able to bring him on. But, but one thing that we were talking about earlier are kind of addressing and giving voice to the barriers to treatment, right? I mean, this is something that I just really found out in the research that uh, a desire to, have to handle the problem on one's own and low perceived need i.e., you know, I don't need professional help uh, and or I can do it by myself are two of the greatest barriers to, um, to getting help. And I know this from also, you know, anecdotally, many of my Isha friends, uh, and to be frank, uh, almost all of my guy friends who have struggles um, but, uh, but haven't yet sought help or, you know, don't really know, you know, where to go. But... Um, but yeah, Stephanie, I, I'd love to kind of throw that to you and, and Zare too, if, if you want to, to address it. Um, yeah. So in my culture, so in my culture, so I'm Hmong and I'm Hmong American and a lot of people who are Hmong are shamans and not, obviously there's a lot of people who've converted, but, um, my family is still shaman. And one of the things that happened in my family is that, so mental health, so in my community, mental health doesn't actually exist. Like usually um, the direct translation is that that person is crazy. But then one thing that does happen is that when you're a shaman, you're kind of selected and shamans usually kind of undergo like a psychotic break. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that you do when you kind of go like undergo a psychotic break from um, being a shaman is that um, you find another shaman to help lead you right and so I feel like that's one thing that you can do is uh, if you can find someone who can help lead you to mm -hmm. like where you and that's one of the best things that that's like one of the best ways to actually like be able to get out of it right I don't know how it is for other people but like for my culture like that's how it goes it's like you find someone who is because you've been kind of chosen as a shaman. I know it doesn't translate very well and it doesn't make sense in probably other cultures, but in my culture, what happens is that you have a psychotic break. And what you do is that you search for someone who, so like, because you have this psychotic break, you're considered a shaman. Mm -hmm. And um, the person who, um, who would help you or show you your way is actually someone else who is also a shaman. And so, and it's really like gives you like kind of like a path to follow and wh what to do and where to go. But I know that doesn't translate very well at all now that I'm talking about it out loud. Can I just make a few comments related yeah. to that? So there's a lot of cultures like there's culture where like mental health is really stigmatized against. And while I'm sure there are people that are very much helped by other shaman, there may also be a lot of people that are suffering very intensely and are not getting help. Um, I don't want to like bring out things about Zer's family, but she had, she had family members who were clearly suffering from mental health disorders. And I think that stigma within a lot of these societies can 
also be a big thing that prevents people from getting help. They may make this excuses, oh, I can just handle it by myself. This is what we do in our culture. This, this is how I was raised. And I think there's a lot of cultures that are like that, that are, this is just how it is. This is what we do. We keep it within ourselves. We work with it by like maybe one specific person. Um, and I think it's a really hard thing to break out of. And I, uh, and to acknowledge, oh, wait, getting actual psychiatric help could be really, really useful or, you know, psychological. Um, when I say psychiatric help, I'm not talking specifically about medicines. Um, and I think often the desire to handle things on, on your own, um, the, like, the perceive that you have low perceived need causes people to internalize that psychiatric, like those psychiatric symptoms. And they may manifest as anxiety or other things, but more often they manifest as physical things like diabetes, hypertension, uh, high cholesterol, autoimmune disorders. Um, the, like, the, that desire um, to like not have a mental health disorder because of how stigmatized it is can actually manifest in the body. Um, and so people are like, oh, I just have medical problems. Um, so there, that's another way to kind of deny that there is stress, that there is like this underlying thing that could, could need help. Um, and uh, you know, I think like what I would say is kind of what I said earlier. Something that is causing functional decline, like, is is the term we use, that is causing you not to be able to do the things that you want or need to do, is probably serious enough to address in some way. Maybe that is reading a book. Maybe that is downloading an app. Maybe you do those things before you seek therapy, maybe. Or maybe you reach out and try to find a therapist, try to see what it's all about, make a connection, and see if that is something that is useful uh, tool for you. Um, you know, I don't think we have to talk specifically about medications. They may or may not have their place for certain people. Again, there's certain disorders that I think medications can be really helpful with. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think just like starting to recognize that, Hey, I'm not functioning well. And I think the other thing we talked about earlier was the manifestation in substance use disorders of like, Oh, I'm totally fine. I can handle this on my own, but I'm actually drinking four to six drinks every night and uh, using such large amounts of cannabis every day that I'm, I'm barely functional. I'm just kind of like a zoned out person. Um, that's often how people respond to this rather than really dealing with it and getting the help that they need. And, and to talk about, so yeah, I mean, to be specific, one thing we were talking about are these kind of um, coping mechanisms, but that you, where you're either trying to numb or hide from, uh, you know, the pain, the trauma, uh, really negative or destructive uh, thoughts um, that can manifest in, in some of the, the many ways that, that Stephanie kind of mentioned. Um, there's something else I was going to say about this that completely slipped my mind. <laughs> I get very excited when I talk like this. Yeah, but it's, I, I mean, also we're giving voice to this, and I, I had it on one of the questions um, as well because, oh, thank you, Brita. Um, you know, I, I think 
they're also symptoms that not a lot of us can recognize or point to or understand that this is symptomatic of a, a, a larger, you know, uh, issue with my mind or mental health issue that, that I have and, and need to address. And one thing I've had this conversation with many Isha people as well. Um, I think one, probably in our day and age, 21st century, 2022, one of the most common, you know, numbing or coping mechanisms are also you know, we were talking, Stephanie, about that over-reliance on screen time, but, but specifically, it's rich that we're saying this on Instagram, but, uh, but specifically social media as well, um, that people can spend, you know, hours and uh, many hours on end, um, you know, on these apps. Uh, so it's, it's another thing to kind of watch for or, or use as a sign that it might be time to try something else. You know, it's a, a great saying that they have in, a, in AA because I learned so much in Al-Anon, um, you know, went through it because I had a, a dear family member who uh, struggled with addiction. Um, plenty of friends who've also gone through addiction. Um, and as an aside, because, you know, just in case there are people who are also struggling but feeling, you know, like they're very alone with this. Um, there are some high profile people that you would, names that you would know with Isha who are either struggling with it right now or, or used to themselves. Um, and, you know, only through certain therapeutic treatments were they able to come out of it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a, a part of this kind of larger raising awareness uh, component, which is so key. Yeah. But Zara Vaisu, is there anything that you wanted to say about that as well? Yeah, like I would like to add on to what Steph was saying earlier, like, you know, in certain communities, it's, it's stigmatized. And uh, in India, now it's a bit more, we talk, talk about mental health a lot, but <clears throat> five, ten years back, that was not the case. These things were not that talked about. So at that time, like when I was going through a breakup, when there were a lot of things happening within me, as men, we are not, we do not share our feelings or we do not talk about it. But women tend to be more open about this and, you know, they have their own support systems in the form of their very close friends. So what I realized that at that time I was struggling, even though I was not vocal about it, a lot of my lady friends, they noticed that I was going through a breakup. So even without me knowing, they made sure that I was with them. They would take me to movies. They would just make sure they were around me. And I realized I did not have any tools with like Kriya Yoga or anything at that time, but I recovered just because they were compassionate enough to include me in their community. They did not even ask me, like, was I going through something? They did not even talk about it. Because if they knew maybe if they asked me if something was wrong with me, I would just run away from them. Because that was how I was then. So I think as men, it is very essential that uh, we have a lot of good lady friends around us, a community who care for us, even though we do not feel that need for that. That is something that, you know, I would like to add. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, one thing which might make me a bit unpopular is, you know, let's say there are a lot of masters in India. There are a lot of different tools other than the ones that Sadhguru is offering like Bridget was saying. So maybe let's say if inner engineering or these tools are not working, maybe it's time for you to experiment with some other, some other person. Mm -hmm. That is also something that I might be needed for you. Explicitly. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. shouldn't be controversial at all. Yeah. It's very, and if people are familiar with the Indian Yoga Association, which by the way, he helped to start, it's having some difficulties, but, uh, but yeah, in, in raising awareness and having a platform for, you know, many of the great spiritual masters that are alive today in India for people to learn from and be able to choose. So, 
Yeah, it is, it's not, not only is sadhana not a one size fits all or cure all, nor is there one teacher, one guru, et cetera, et cetera, that is, you know, a one size fit all uh, model for everyone on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. I would just like to share two more books, which I find like as a seeker on this path, you know, uh, I would rather than listen to other people's story. I would like to listen to other seekers who have been on the same path. So when I go through a struggle, it's, it's kind of a little bit okay for me to know that they have also gone through the struggle that helps me to understand, okay, I can go with it. So when there is no one to talk to, there are just two books that I refer to and I still keep on reading them till today. And one is this book by Yogananda Paramsa's autobiography of a yogi. Because even though I read Sadhguru's books, it is coming from a guru and he is telling like, this is it. So for me, I'm not able to relate with that when I'm struggling. But when I read from this point of book, it talks about him struggling. He's having a guru, but <clears throat> he struggles a lot. He runs away from his guru. So those are things that I can really, really relate with. And I need not tell myself that I'm a bad person just because I am not following Sadhguru right now or I feel hate towards Sadhguru. Why is this not working? So these are things that helps me still ground myself that these feelings are okay and I can still have it. And one more book is a similar book by, uh, written by a yogi, Sri M. I don't know. Yes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful book. So these are the books that I keep on going back to. I just simply open a random page and just read it before I sleep so that, you know, I can understand. It's okay, Vaishak. It's okay. One day at a time, you just go ahead. Just do what you can and that's fine. So if any of the audience wants to, you know, the resource, these are the only resources that I go to. But today, I think I got a lot more resources which I can, you know, refer to when I'm personally going through some things. Yeah, so the, the one book that I do recommend is the one I'm currently reading, and then I just, I'm almost done with it, is um, Breath by James Nestor. Mm -hmm. And so he's actually a journalist, and he goes and he looks for, like, um, for all the things that have um, done research on the breath. And it's not just, like, pranayama or, like, Tibetan, like, breathing tumor. So it's, like, basically, like, all research from the Western world and on, not really on the Eastern world, but then a lot of from the Western world where they've done research and they show that like um, doing breath work actually really helped with like things like autoimmune diseases and so multiple things. And so even if you don't feel like Isha yoga is what you really want to do and you want, um, you don't want to do sadhanas anymore. I feel like this mm -hmm. book is really good because it also covers like the pros of um, the pros and cons of like why you're doing these breath works, what is really happening in the brain when you do breath work and what is like basically what's causing all the things that's happening to you, right? So like when you're doing like intense breath work for two, three hours, like you sometimes you have a psychotic break because it feels like your body is dying. And so if you have like this kind of like rebirth, and so, like, even if you don't want to do, like, sadhanas anymore, I still feel like you know, there's a lot of breath work out there that you can do. And this book really gives you, like, kind of, like, an introduction to that and to, to kind of, like, look at what you really want to figure out what you really want to do. Like, for example, if you have, um, like, autoimmune diseases, like, maybe, like, the Isha yoga isn't what something you should be looking for, right? Like, something like Wim Hof would be great for yours, something else that uh, that actually shows like autoimmune defenses is probably best for you. Like one of the things that like I developed during um, when I got pregnant is because I have a lot of um, rashes now and that could, uh, that could actually be like 
due to like autoimmune disease. And so one of the things I started doing is I started doing like Wim Hof in, in, in combination with, um, with the Isha yoga or like the Kriyas so that like I can be hitting multiple things at once. And I think um, going through the, um, the book will give you kind of like a guide on like why you should do certain breath work versus others. And I think it's a very powerful book and he's a journalist. So he, it's very well written and it brings in the literature into um, from a viewpoint where like normal people could read it, where like he's like summarizing like people's research, like research that, you know, like if in a normal person was to read it, they wouldn't understand it. But then he like normalizes it. And the guy is actually, so I, I looked at a lot of his interviews and he does a lot of breath work, like, seems like it's an everyday normal thing for him and he's tried like everything <laughs> across the board so it's a great book to check out also so people know uh Stevan, i just saw your, your message as well don't worry about capturing all the titles we will have um and for those who just joined we're going to be collating all of these resources guides resources into um references uh, into one uh, Google document. Thanks to Krishma, who's doing God's work right now <laughs> and taking notes for all of us. So we'll have that as a public document that everyone can uh, refer to. Vaisu, myself, we'll all share it on you know whatever channels we've got. So it'll be easy, easily accessible to people. And um, yeah, I think, man, we've almost we've been going for over an hour and a half. So uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up. Um, and actually, just as, as a last thing, if there's anything that we haven't covered or a question that wasn't asked that you guys would want to bring up. Or we're good. We're good. I think we're good. We can always do more panels if people have more like specific questions or if we want to address something in this area again. I was just about to say, that's a very good transition. Um, yeah, we have some amazing people on this panel. Uh, there are two, Jay and Ugiam, that we weren't able to, to grab on for technical difficulties. But uh, yeah, uh, feel free to reach out if you guys um, do have more questions, if you want to you know, have another panel, if there's some things that you know, weren't touched on or you'd want to see more of a deep dive um, we have these fantastic people, so they're a resource, they're volunteering their time right now, we all are, um, you know, to, to help. Um, and one thing that I would add on as well, I mean, it's a great kind of, you know, teaching lesson that I've had from really diving deep into the behavioral sciences. One thing that I would recommend for people when they're looking at, you know, this, the resources list that we'll share is to find, you know, one or two small things that you can look into, you know, small steps that you can kind of make that commitment. It might be, okay, this is an amazing book. It really resonates with me. Maybe it speaks to the trauma that I went through and um, it, I could see this is a pathway to help me come out of it or a therapist that you're able to find. You know, if you make that kind of commitment, particularly if it's a daily habit and make it really small, um, one thing that, you know, we talk about sometimes adding it onto a calendar, the commitment that you've made to yourself, you can, one thing that I love to do is, you know, put it on a piece of paper that I physically check off every day when I finish it. Um, there's all, 
getting an accountability buddy, you know, getting a friend who also wants to, you know, do a healthy habit or something good for themselves every day. And you guys can hold each other accountable. Um, sometimes it's, it's a really hard, maybe it's a habit that you want to let go of or, or something, a good one that you want to have, but you really struggle with doing it. One thing they found that's been phenomenally successful for the stubborn ones is uh, to put money on the table. <laughs> and it works, like, I think they said almost 90% of the time. So just letting you guys know, there's, there's lots of options in terms of adopting these habits. And actually, one final thing that I want to talk about when we're you know, speaking about resources that help with mental health is sometimes we can ignore the, the, the fundamentals. Like, and even for myself, when I was at my sickest, um, I did that as well. And just to kind of review for people who are struggling, um, you know, what are, what are the key kind of fundamentals to, you know, physical and mental health? So it is, you know, getting adequate sleep every day, getting a certain amount of exercise, which even Sadhguru and other masters have said, this can be one of the biggest and most pronounced issues with mental health. That we're not expending the energy that we need to every day. And, you know, there's just this pent up energy um, that is, you know, affecting our sleep, affecting our mental health, et cetera, et cetera. So um, one thing that I do actually in addition to the sadhana is HIT, high intensity uh, training, which can be literally 12 minutes. Um, but it has like been amazing for my sleep. It's, uh, you know, Sri Kriya, Shambhavi, Shunya, the other Kriyas, this isn't really working the body. This is not <laughs> expending the energy that I need to spend. So, so I, I know a lot of meditators who run before they do their sadhana. They'll maybe like a 15 or 20 minute run before they do it. So there's different ways to kind of hit that exercise um, note. Um, another is sleeping at normal times. Uh, normal, but you know, ideally it would be before 11 o'clock uh, at, at the very latest, uh, even before 410 is, is even better. And then, although I'm really pushing that tonight, and then uh, waking up at a, a normal time. Um, uh, another that if they've had an incredible amount of research behind to show how much of an effect this can have in your mental and physical health is getting early morning sunlight. So within the first hour of waking up, minimum 10 minutes if it's a sunny day, at maximum 20 minutes if it's uh, more cloudy, without, not sunglasses, nothing to kind of block the, the light from the retina, but getting that early morning sunlight that can help, you know, reset the body, release melatonin at the normal times it's meant to be released at the night. So these are all like really easy hacks that you can put into place to make sure that, you know, you're, you're covering the fundamentals. Because oftentimes when we're struggling, you know, these fundamentals can be the first thing to go, like, you know, eating nor healthy food and not just junk food or processed food, which, you know, diet is obviously a big thing, or we, we stop, we stop sleeping, or we stop, you know, looking after the fact that we're getting adequate sleep, you know, the, or exercise, we stop exercising. I'm guilty of all of these, by the way. <laughs> That's why I really said I'm guilty of all of them while I was at my sickest. So just as an aside, uh, and we'll, again, we'll put this in the, the notes, but, um, Make sure that, you know, you're, you're also hitting the fundamentals before you go into some of these kind of um, other modalities or other therapeutic approaches or kind of uh, also sadhana, uh, other practices that we're mentioning. Um, yeah, getting the fundamentals covered is, is pretty key. 
Uh, all right, guys. Well, I'll open this up to you too. If there's anything else that you wanted to add before before we close the session. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you just said is the the bare essentials. And if you are struggling with that, sometimes um, CBT uh, or acceptance commitment therapy can actually help you. Um, there's things called behavioral activation, which is about like doing those things. So like, say you're so depressed that like you really just can't get out of bed. You can't get out and get that sunlight. Um, behavioral activation is like getting yourself to do that forcing yourself to do things even though you don't feel like doing them because you know that those are good for you and then the behavior of doing those things that are good for you the exercise the getting sunlight the getting sleep all of those things then comes back and affects your mood and makes you better um so really sometimes it is about doing things even when you're really struggling um, doing the things that you know work that Sagaru and everybody else talks about that they work and not waiting till you feel like doing them but doing them and then you will feel like doing them right right um, or no sorry go ahead Sophie. I had one more thought but that's okay I'll let, I'll let if it comes up we'll circle back yeah but yeah, is there advice to any closing comments, thoughts? I just want to say thank you, Brigidaka, for doing this. You know, I think uh, I think this is a lot of value to me and to all the listeners listening and who in the future will also listen to it. And uh, I hope, you know, even if it touches one person to take that next step in their journey, even with the practices, something that, you know, for me, it's just always that one person I can reach out to. Or I hope this uh, talk reaches out to that one person. And hopefully, I hope you bring out the person who's taking these notes. I think we would all like to see that you're talking about. <laughs> I will. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go out then. So thank you for having me, guys. Hope you have a great day. Namaskaram. Namaskaram. Yeah. Wait, what my one last thought is, if anyone is acutely struggling and they really do need to reach out, um, please reach out. Um, we are resources to help people. There may be people who are watching this who are really, really intensely struggling. Um, and if you think that we could be helpful, please let us know. And we will try to either help you or, or help you guide you towards getting the help that, that would be best. 100%. And Zara? I didn't have anything else. I think you guys covered everything that I wanted to say. Krishma, do you want to join at the last minute before we end? I just sent you an invite. I don't know if you're able to, though. I don't know where you're at. If so, and if not, we will end it. Wait, I'll send you one more invite. Oops. Okay, we'll see how that works. Um, but again, thank you everyone for joining those who are, are listening um, on the side. This is, this is a bit of a marathon effort, almost two hours. And thanks for staying with us in the beginning too with the technical difficulties. There's, there's no Instagram uh, experts here, except for Vaisu who just left. So uh, yeah, we are, we are all learning together. Um, and again, as Stephanie said, we are resources uh, available um, in whatever way we can be, even if it's, in my respect, it might just be, you know, making certain references or recommendations for, for places you can go. Oh, Krishman, you can request to join as well. Uh, 
somehow that's not working. Oh, laptop maybe doesn't, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't able to do it on my laptop. That's why I'm on my phone. Yeah, you have to be on your phone to be able to join. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. Well, yes, we're almost at the two-hour mark. Thank you, everyone, for, for joining us. And, and again, if, if there's a second panel that's necessary you'd like to happen, feel free to reach out to us. And Vaisu and myself, we will all share these resources, the, the document that we mentioned. And uh, yeah, yeah, this, this, was a, <laughs> this was a great little adventure. Uh, Zara, Stephanie, Vaisu, we am, if you're still there, thank you for agreeing to be on this panel, um, joining me in this little experiment. Um, and everyone, I, I guess in the, in, the, in the East, good morning. But for us, it's gonna be good night. Um, and we will see you for the next time. Okay, if I can even, if I even know how to end this.